Gateway Church. We are a growing family after God's heart. I can't remember exactly if this was early in our marriage or when Deanna and I were engaged. I'm sure Deanna remembers, especially after I share this story this morning. It was the first board game that we played together, and it was Monopoly. I don't know why we chose that one, because we, have, we had two different expectations. I had one expectation. She had another expectation. What was my expectation? To win at all costs. <laughs> oh, Deanna, I, I know you have forgiven me, but I feel like I almost need to ask you again. I grew up playing Monopoly. My best friend and I played into the wee hours of the morning. We would put two boards together, revamp the rules, work deals, trying to outwit and outadvantage one another. Why? To win. I played to win, and when I was winning in that game, that first game that Deanna and I ever played together, it's like I started to morph into somebody that she didn't know. <laughs> the power. It's what it was. It was the power of acquiring park place and boardwalk and making her mortgage all her properties because she didn't have any money. And the studies prove that that happens. I'm not kidding you. 2012, there was a study that went out, put two people in a room, they gave one person, two people play Monopoly, they gave one person a wad of cash and two dices to play the game. The other person, hardly, they didn't have, hardly have any money, and they only had one dice to play. And then they watched what happened, and it was an amazing thing. It was like a person started to gloat, started to make these funny noises, began to make less eye contact, and here's what they did that really kind of pierced me to the heart. They began to move their opponents, you know, figurine on their own, and I thought, oh boy, I think I did that. I did all of that stuff. And I knew I was in trouble when I looked over and Deanna started to cry. And I thought, oh, I blew it. So Deanna, was that early in our marriage or when we were engaged? She doesn't remember. Good. All right. Thank you, Lord. I want to talk about power today. In our study of the Old Testament book of Nehemiah, and that's what we do here at Gateway Church, we believe that this holy book, the Bible, is inspired by God. All of our teaching, our doctrine, our beliefs are found right in the Word of God. And what we're doing and what we've done through the years is we just open up the Bible and 
we turn to various books, and we're studying through the Old Testament book of Nehemiah, and we know that it's a book about rebuilding. We've come to chapter 4, right? Nehemiah comes all the way from modern-day Iran, travels 900 miles, takes him two months because he was a Jewish man. He was a leader. He was a cupbearer to the king. His heart was broken for his people because their city was in ruins. The walls were broken down. The protective walls around their city needed repair. Ezra came and helped rebuild the temple. And now it was Nehemiah's turn to come and be the one who would lead them to rebuild the wall. And they got halfway done. And that's usually when we hit the wall in any projects that we're doing. It's easy to, to start, you know, with all eight cylinders just churning. And the horsepower's there, and we're getting the job done. But, and then we reach that halfway point, and that's what happened here. They got fatigued and frustrated, and they bought the lie of the enemy. Nehemiah comes and says, will you not do this together? Let's fight for one another. And they say, yes, let's, let's go for it. And then we come to chapter 5. I want you to see something happens in chapter 5. It's like the whole family gets together playing Monopoly. And a, a switch goes off in the hearts and minds of some of the people in Jerusalem. I want you to see it in chapter 5. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Nehemiah 5. All of a sudden, there were a few folks who forgot the big picture that we're building the wall together. Simply stated, they misused power they had. Here's how it reads. Nehemiah 1, 1 through 5. Before we read the word of the Lord, I want us just to pray. I ask that you would receive from the Holy Spirit today. Lord, we humbly come and ask you to speak to us, God, spirit to spirit through your word. Lord, this is an interesting chapter. There's a lot of stuff going on in this chapter. We don't have a lot of time, Lord, so I'm asking that you would crystallize what it is, the key phrase that you want us to learn. You want us to be aware of, God. Show us what that is by your Spirit. In your name, amen. Reads this way. Now the men and their wives raised a great outcry against their fellow Jews. Some were saying, we and our sons and daughters are numerous. In order for us to eat and stay alive, we must get grain. So there was a famine. Not only were they rebuilding the wall, but during that time there was a famine in the land. 
Others were saying, we are mortgaging our fields, our vineyards, and our homes to get grain during the famine. Still others were saying, we have had to borrow money to pay the king's tax on our fields and vineyards. Although we are of the same flesh and blood as our fellow Jews, and though our children are as good as theirs, yet we have to subject our sons and daughters to slavery. Some of our daughters have already been enslaved, but we are powerless because our fields and our vineyards belong to others. Wow, what an indictment. It's a warning to us today about power. We all have some measure of power at our disposal. There's a principle that I want you to see. It's right there. You've heard the statement, absolute power corrupts absolutely. How about this one? A warning mind from the field of Nehemiah chapter 5. Unbridled power is dangerous power. Unbridled power is dangerous power. Why? Where do you get that? Well, it's right there in the verses that we just read. Their fields and vineyards were mortgaged to the hilt. We'll look at these verses a little later. We know in the context, many of them were forced to sell their children into slavery just to pay the taxes and buy food. Sad to say, it was the Jewish people. Nehemiah came and said, let's do this together. The wealthy and the powerful people in Jerusalem were loaning money to their poorer brothers, taking their lands and even others and the poor couldn't pay. The rich would keep their lands. And there was, it was nothing less than extortion that was going on right here. Those with power in Jerusalem were exploiting their neighbors. They were abusing the poor, manipulating, manipulating the situation to their own benefit in blatant violation of God's law. God had made it clear. Remember in the Old Testament. What did he make clear? No Jew could enslave another Jew. And as you read the scriptures right there, you can, you can read it. That's what was happening here. Leviticus 25.39 says these words. I want you to read the rest of the chapter, chapter 5 of Nehemiah. So it talks about the laws. Leviticus 25, 39 says, If any of your fellow Israelites become poor and sell themselves to you, do not make them work as slaves. And that's what was happening here. They are to be treated as hired workers or temporary residents among you. 
Exodus 22, 25. If you lend money to one of my people among you who is needy, do not treat it like a business deal. Charge no interest. Leviticus 25, 36 says, Do not take interest or any profit from them, but fear your God so that they may continue to live among you. I want you to go home and read this chapter because this is exactly what they were doing to their fellow Jews. The powerful took advantage of the poor and the needy and the disadvantaged because the warning was not heeded. And the warning is what? Unbridled power is dangerous power. Nehemiah was angry, as you will see. He goes and he confronts them. And they changed their heart. He set in the, the example, Nehemiah did. He was a powerful man, but he didn't abuse his power. In fact, the Bible calls it weakness. And we take the power that God has given us and we serve others. It's called meekness. It's power under the control of God. It's not my own power to do as I wish. It's not taking my position and using it in a way for others to serve me. It's serving others with that which the Lord has blessed me with. Nehemiah was an example of a meek man. I didn't say weak. I said meek. Meekness is not weakness. Meekness is power under control. Whose power are you under the control of? It's easy to use our power and just lash out. It's easy to use our power to manipulate situations. How are you using the power that the Lord has given to you? I think of myself and my own family. Now the Lord's called me to serve my wife and my children. To be like Jesus. Jesus is the one who taught us meekness. What did he do? He's the one who was the most powerful of all. But he gets down on his hands and feet. And he serves his disciples. And he what? He washes their feet. The one who had the most powerful. The one who created the worlds. By his spoken word is the one who served others. You know, when they nailed Jesus to a cross, it wasn't because he was not powerful. It was because he was. He took that power. He said, no one takes my life from me. It wasn't the strength of the Roman soldiers, was it? No. No. He willingly laid his life down. 
He gave his life that we might be set free and to set for us the example of what it means to be truly meek in life. See, I want the power that comes from my life to be the power that is broken before the Lord. I want it to be his power in me. I live over by the the Sherburn County Courthouse, the, the fairgrounds, I should say. And I'm seeing something that's kind of fun. love to watch this. I'll drive by, and I see now these, these girls, and they're riding these huge horses. And I never see any of the guys. I don't know where the boys are. It seems like when I drive by, and I see the horse, the horse trailers, and these big, huge animals. Glorious, powerful animals. And these little girls, it seems like these little girls are up on top of this big, not maybe stallion, but they look like that to me. But who's stronger? Well, of course, the horse is stronger. But that horse has been what? Broken. So I got something in my in the bag here. You're wondering what it is. It's a bridle and a bit. Bits are not very nice, are they? Check the bit out. You imagine having that in your mouth? But that for that little girl to to, to jump on top of that horse and grab these reins. It's like they're not convincing that horse, I'm stronger than you are, because they're not. But that horse's power has been broken. And when you put the bit in the mouth of the horse at first, it's going, what's going on here? But you train that horse. Pretty soon that horse knows who the master is. And the master is not itself. It's the one who has the reins. Because unbridled power is dangerous power. But power under the control of God can change the world, can change a family, can change a relationship. Because it chooses to serve chooses to turn the other cheek and to forgive. Like the words of Scott Besser when he said to his nephew, we are here for you and we forgive you. What's that? That's power. Under the control of who? God. That's the way I want to live my life. If you can find a quiet place in your heart, pray. Maybe you want to close your eyes. I want to close this message by asking you to think of a place in your life this next week 
where you can choose to be meek by the power of the Holy Spirit. You can say to God, God, I don't want to use my power to serve myself. I want to use my power to serve others. Lord, I ask by your spirit that we, we would think of a place in our lives where we can submit to the bit of the Holy Spirit. Maybe it's verbal power, the power of the tongue. Lord, we submit. Maybe it's intellectual power. vocational, financial. May we use the finance that, finances that you've blessed us with, Lord, to help others, to make a way for others. Show us, God. Remind us this week. Bottom line, we submit all of our power to the Lord Jesus Christ. The goal is to be truly meek. And I pray that your meekness would come forth in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.